Wonderful to uh, see you again. It's been four months since I've been here. After four years of working at the church uh, part-time, but it felt very natural to come back today, pull into the parking lot. By the way, the parking lot's very full uh, from the previous service. Uh, that's good to see. It was not full when I left uh, f- uh, a few months ago. And a good crowd here this morning also, even with uh, folks at the retreat. Wonderful to be with you. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And my wife Liz is with us today, so good to be here. Wonderful to see you. Well, we have a beautiful passage today, Ezekiel, which I'll read in a minute, uh, which talks about the Holy Spirit's uh, mission and his power to change our hearts. And we feel the necessity and the importance of this topic because we resonate with Keith Green from way back in the 19, what was it, 70s or early 80s. Most of you were not alive yet, but maybe you've heard the song, My Eyes Are Dry. My faith is old, he's lamenting. My heart is hard, my prayers are cold. I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. What can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine of your blood. You have been a Christian for some time, perhaps, and you know what Keith Green's talking about. You've been a Christian for a short time, perhaps. Maybe you know what he's talking about. What can be done for this old heart? What did the Apostle Paul say? The good that I want to do, I don't do it. The bad stuff I don't want to do, I find myself gravitating toward. Who will deliver me? Keith Green. What can be done for this uh, amphibious heart able to breathe the oxygen of heaven but very content to breathe the murky underworld of this land? What can be done for an old heart like mine? The good news is that God's in the heart change business, and he does that through his spirit. And uh, that, the New Testament teaches that uh, in many places, and it comes, it's uh, rooted way back in the Old Testament in the obscure book of Ezekiel. But listen to the passage here. Therefore, Ezekiel, say to the house of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, regather you and give you a new heart, but it's for my sake, the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. I will show the holiness of my great name which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I show myself holy through you before their eyes. 
For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from the, all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, capital S, my Holy Spirit, in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity, changes us as we have sung from the inside out. He gives us a new heart. Heavenly Father, as we open your holy word, please teach us what this, uh, this transformation means and looks like. And please do change our hearts, giving us a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, he gives us a new heart. Let me uh, make an entrance here by calling our attention to that metaphor, that concept of the heart. You remember in The Wizard of Oz, the cowardly lion said, if I only had courage, if I were the king of the forest. The, uh, the scarecrow said, if I only had a brain. And the tin man said, if I only had a heart. Do you remember? I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. Do, 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 do. I'd be friends with the sparrow and the boy that shoots the arrow. Cupid, I guess, if I only had a heart. Okay, it's a nice song. Too bad it's full of heresy. <laughs> okay, maybe not heresy, but it, it, it's off base a little bit because it associates the heart only with emotion. I'd be tender, gentle, sentimental. And in the Bible, the concept, the, the metaphor of the heart is bigger than just emotions. Yes, it includes emotions, but it's bigger than that. In the Bible, the heart is the whole uh, complicated uh, inner workings of the inner person that causes us to act. In the Bible, the heart includes our beliefs. You might say our worldview. Our attitudes, our values, yes, our feelings, our emotions. And it's out of this confluence of various streams that comes the river of action and volition and how we live. That's the Bible's uh, concept of the heart. It is what drives us and what draws us, the heart. The uh, Puritans called it the affections, the, uh, the inner person. It includes emotion, but it's bigger than emotion. And Ezekiel says, I'll give you a new 
confluence of streams. I'll give you a new inner motivation. I'll give you, I'll change you from the inside out. I'll give you a new heart. The problem is our hearts are fallen. That's why we need a new heart. Our hearts are bent. You see, when God first created us, our hearts were straight. Our affections loved God and honored God. When we were first were created, we said, uh, he's the king, and our hearts were glad about that. We, we thought, well, that's terrific. What better king could you possibly ask for? But then something happened. The theologians call it the fall. And now every human wants to sit on the throne and wants to be the king and the queen. And so we ignore him. We tend to resist him. We tend to resent it when he tells us what to do. And that's what Ezekiel's talking about when he says we have hearts of stone. Can you see that I have it highlighted in yellow there? I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. What's he saying? Well, I brought a stone with me today. They're easy to find in the rocky soil of New England. I found this one in my front yard this morning. He is saying that our hearts, without that life-giving spirit, are hard. He is saying our hearts are cold. They tend to take on the ambient temperature of the air around. There's no life within it producing energy and warmth. He is saying that our hearts are unresponsive. Stand up, rock! Nothing. Rock, I'm talking to you. Jump! Deaf. Deaf to my commands. Unresponsive. He is saying that in the fallen condition, our bent condition, our hearts are like, like a stone, like a rock. Now, this doesn't mean that all of our actions are bad. It doesn't mean we never do good things. It doesn't mean that we're incapable of generosity. It does not mean that we never show courage and bravery. What it does mean is that our basic set of motivations, the confluence of streams of motivation, our hearts, our affections, our basic set of motivations is more about self than about God. Our hearts are not alive to God. Keith Green says, what can be done for an old heart like mine? I know how I ought to be. I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. I'm not really like that. What can be done? What can be done? And for this heart of stone, he gives us a heart of flesh. 
Let me give you the background of Ezekiel so we know what's going on here. You remember that more than a thousand years before Ezekiel wrote and, you know, his historical era, you'll remember that the Israelites, the children out of Israel, were enslaved in Egypt. Remember that? Pharaoh made them uh, uh, slaves and they were, they grew to be a great people, but they were a downtrodden people. And you remember, God delivered them through the hand of Moses. Remember the Red Sea and he gave them the law of God and they came out of uh, Egypt. Uh, he carried them on eagle's wings and that was terrific. And they were worshiping God and serving him well. In less than a year, after that great deliverance, <laughs> they started worshiping idols. Remember, they made, they made this golden calf and they were bowing down to it. And God saw this, you know, saw this turning of the heart and he said, no, no, what? No. Fast forward a couple of hundred years into the time of the judges. Remember the judges, Samson, Jephthah, and Deborah, and all these people? They were in these cycles. They would uh, sin and worship idols, and then they would be oppressed by a strong nation, the Amalekites and the Philistines and all the bad nations, and they would repent and turn back to God, and he would deliver them from the, 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 the nations. And then they'd worship idols again in these cycles, 600 years, cycle after cycle. And the Lord saw this and he said, no, 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 this is not, this is not, uh, this is not what I intended. You got to break this cycle. And then fast forward, fast forward up into, uh, uh, with King David, a good king a man after God's own heart. And the nation followed and they, 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 they copied David's ways and they worshiped Yahweh and that lasted for like two generations. And then they started worshiping all the gods of the nations, Baal and Ashtaroth and the Egyptian gods. And God looked at it and he said, no, no, you are my people. I saved you, I, I am your God. Fast forward up to Ezekiel's time. Once again, they're worshiping idols. Their, their hearts have gone astray. The Bible says they have committed spiritual adultery. And so he's let the powerful nations of the earth oppress them and kind of whittle away the borders and deport their people. And now they're scattered among the nations. This passage says, I will bring you back for my own sake because my name is being profaned. I will bring you back and I'll give you a new heart. We've got to get out of this cycle. Whatever we've been doing, it's not working. I, I'm going to take my Holy Spirit and put it inside of you. And then you'll honor me. Then you'll participate in this, the life of God. You need a new heart, so I will give you a new heart. I will take from you your heart of stone. I will give you a heart of flesh. I brought some flesh with me this morning also. 
Let's see if we can contrast it with the, uh, the heart of stone. I felt that. It's warm. There's life in there. It's responsive to my will. Arm, rise. And God says, I will take the initiative to help you do, to give you the ability to do, which apparently you're not able to do with that fallen heart, that bent heart, that heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So we thank God. We say glory to God for taking the initiative to do what we can't do. He, he does heart surgery on us. He saves, he washes, he awakens, he transforms these stony hearts. For example, here's a young person. He or she is reading the Bible. And uh, the person's reading in the Bible, and it says right there in in one of the Psalms, um, uh, uh, the one who dwells in, in my holy hill is the person who keeps his vow even when it hurts. And through the Spirit, this person remembers, oh, 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 I made a promise. It was like two or three weeks ago. I, I guess you could say I vowed to that person, oh, I need, to, uh, I need to fulfill what I said I would do. That's a heart of flesh. That's the Spirit working through his word in the conscience. Responsive to God. Here is an older person. Uh, This older person hears a sermon, and the sermon is from the text in Ephesians that says, be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. And this person sitting there listening to the sermon and hearing the scripture thinks, oh, 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 oh. There's that relationship with that person. And I've been holding a grudge. I have not forgiven. Lord, help me to let it go. Help me to forgive, just as I have been forgiven. That is a heart of flesh. Softened up with oil and wine, the oil of the Spirit of God. Here is a um, um, 30-something a person. Um, she is finding her stride at work. She's, she's doing well at work. She's, she's advancing. She got a raise last month. She's just doing great. And her, her heart is alive to God. Her heart, by the Spirit, has been made flesh. And so before she goes to work every morning, she prays, Lord, help me not only advance my career, 
Help me advance your reputation. Whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, may I do it for your glory. That's a heart of flesh. That's a heart the affections are aligned for the glory of God. This is what I want. Please produce, uh, 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 transform my will and aim my will and help me to produce actions uh, for the glory of God here at my workplace. And so ever since the fall, the human race has had hearts of stone But way back in Ezekiel, he said, well, I will give you a heart of flesh. And he does this by his spirit, right? I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees, to be careful, to keep my laws. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit whose, whose, uh, whose role is to glorify and honor the Father. It is to lift up the name of the Son. It is to draw attention to the Father and Son. This same Spirit he puts in us. And so now we want to glorify the Father and lift up the Son. He calls us into this life of the triune God by sharing his spirit with us. Jesus called this being born again, this new heart, being born from above, born by the spirit. I wonder if you remember in... uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis, that uh, the evil white witch has a wand, and she goes around in battle turning the animals and the people to statues. And a stag becomes a statue stag, and a fawn, and a centaur, and they become stony statues. And then Aslan comes along, Aslan, the Christ figure. What does he do? He breathes on them. And they become living beings again, flesh. Lewis is referring to this kind of theology, maybe this passage from Ezekiel. I will give you my spirit and you will become flesh. Sensible, responsive, warm, alive to my honor. Flesh for stone. What a transformation. Some of our great literature uh, echoes this theology. We have C.S. Lewis and Aslan 
turning the statues into flesh. We have the Greek myth of Pygmalion, where a statue becomes a human because of the love of the artist. The myth of Pygmalion was picked up by George Bernard Shaw, and he wrote a play called Pygmalion about a flower girl in the slums of London who's transformed by the attention and the care and the love of some benefactors. They made a musical out of that, didn't they, called My Fair Lady. And behind this literature and behind this instinct and this, uh, this vision of transformation, behind it all is the true myth. Lewis and Tolkien would call it the true myth, the deeper magic that Ezekiel's telling us about. The transformation by the Spirit of God from a stony heart to a heart alive to God. How does this happen on the sort of day-to-day level? How does he work this miracle? Well, it is a miracle, and Jesus said that the Spirit blows where it will, kind of like the wind, and we can't box the Spirit in. And yet the Spirit does tend to use certain means of grace in transforming us. Some of these means of grace are the Word of God. He awakens the conscience. He he inflames the heart with passion. He, He softens the heart where it's hard through the Word of God. Do you have a discipline of receiving the Word of God? You get it once a week on Sunday morning. That's good. But are you a self-feeder? Do you, do you read the Scripture? Do you think about it? This is how the Spirit does His thing. And so you may want to consider becoming a regular self-feeder of the Word. The Spirit also transforms us through prayer. Our hearts align with God through prayer. Are you a prayer? Do you, know, do you know how to pray? Do you have a regular pattern of prayer? The Spirit also uh, uh, sharpens and uh, quickens our affections through the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit working in our consciences. You know what I mean, just... He guides us. He reminds us. He he tells us, hey, you need to forgive that person. And he tells us, hey, uh, you made a promise three weeks ago, and you need to, and, and, and we listen. And we say, yes, sir, to the still, small voice of conscience. The Holy Spirit uses another means of grace to transform us, and that's the body spiritual friendships, mentoring, words of truth, words of encouragement. Have you aligned yourself and committed yourself to a body 
someone who will love you and speak the truth to you. However he does it, it all begins with our asking and our opening ourselves. We ask him, give me a heart of flesh. Take away the heart of stone. Breathe on me and transform me from the inside out. And so ask him for this transforming spirit. If a child asks a father for bread, the father won't give him a stone. If the child asks for an egg and for food, uh, the, the father won't give the person a serpent. And if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And so we begin by asking him. Shall we bow our heads and ask him? Lord, we don't want to have hearts of stone. We don't want to ignore or resent you. We want hearts of flesh. Please draw us into the life of the triune God by your Holy Spirit. Please draw us into this joyful, holy, loving life of God by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.